before you were a, for, uh, for a retired judge? Under any, under any circumstance? If it were a classroom exercise or general questions about the law, perhaps. But in this format, where there are questions coming in, and I probably would not. Okay. And I, most judges would not. And I can understand that. Um, I, I wanted to get Leon Panetta on the radio here to answer some, you know, to do, participate, you know, interview format and then take questions from me and from the yes. uh, callers. And I was told uh, for an hour or two, and I was told for, for 20 minutes and it has to be pre-recorded and no callers. That, that and could be that, true. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. And that's how Rebecca Costa does it here on KSCO. She has very, very um, guests that you don't find on talk radio ever, anywhere. I could talk to Leon for you. He was my uh, battalion commander in ROTC in college, so. Oh, well, Leon is very, well, I mean, especially now that he's back. I mean, he was always very approachable, you know, whether... Yeah, good guy, good guy. But anyhow, we're very excited about the program that we're going to have today, but I'm feeling very uncomfortable at the moment because it's sort of like we've started the program, but we haven't really started it officially, so let's do that now. Good morning, a brighter day is here. Good morning, may we bring you cheer. We've got time, we've got tea. Morning, KSCO land. It's MC welcoming you to our one of the KSCO talk to the judge special. Yeah, we haven't done this uh, ever. We had a judge on. Well, yeah, we had a judge on once, and it was a sitting judge, and it was a delightful program uh, back in the I think it was '94 or something. But it's been a long, long time, so it's high time we did that. Stay with us right up until 12 noon. You'll be happy you did. Good morning. Have you ever stopped to think what kinds of people are the most powerful, most godlike? Some might say kings, queens, politicians, organized crime bosses, and other union leaders. Others might say brain surgeons, heart surgeons, and those who have the power to heal and prolong life. But what about judges? Yeah, judges who have the power to alter entire societies and populations on a whim. It's been many years since KSEO presented an opportunity for you to talk to a judge, but that's exactly what we will do on the next KSCO special featuring retired Santa Cruz County Judge Robert Yance who has unlimited stories to tell and experiences to relate. Very little if anything will be off limits to discuss. So collect your questions and prepare to join us this Saturday 10 a.m. to 12 noon right here on Where Else Do You Get the Chance to Talk Candidly with a Real Live Judge where thousands of others can hear you radio AM 1080 KSCO. Torn uh, about which um, which, which um, fanfare, which opening, you know, to, to use either the fanfare or the crossfire. So we'll use them both. Here's the crossfire. See that gets people all on edge and gets them ready to you know prepare for. Spicy program. Yeah, I'm going to that out. And, uh, well, actually, uh, here, here's the fanfare. It's like we're having a special, special, rare event here. I think I prefer the the latter. What do you think, uh, Judge Yance? You 
It's your choice. You're the producer. Here. All right, MZ. Okay. <laughs> hey, great to have you in the studio here. Um, it, it's been a long time since uh, since you've been at KSCO. We used to come in every once in a while, I think, right? But uh, yes, I think a couple times. Yeah. Uh, so you you were a practicing attorney in Santa Cruz for many many years, right? Twenty five years. And then the telephone rang one day. What what happened that that you went from attorney to judge? Actually, it was an experience I had in Italy that finally convinced convinced me to. What was that? I was on a tour of a local Rotary Club for six weeks in Italy, and they knew that three of us were attorneys. Uh, we had two two district attorneys with us, and we talked to maybe ten or fifteen judges there in different courthouses and courts of appeal, and they were under serious attack personally by members of the Cosa Nostra and other uh, Italian crime families and uh, judges judges and oh. one year before we were there uh, two prosecutors were blown up uh, and I, th I think in Calabria but it might have been in Sicily and we went to a big uh, Memorial for them one year. Why, there's a disconnect here, at least in my brain. That I, would make me not want to be a judge, not make me want to be a judge. I was so impressed with the fortitude and the courage of those judges that they could be judges under those circumstances. And I had held off that I wanted to slightly imitate them and uh, help sort these problems out that face the public. Oh, okay. Now... You can answer for yourself. You, you you obviously can't answer for for others. But would you say it's it's a correct statement that many or most attorneys do um, um, dream of becoming a judge? I would say many. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And the difference. And and. I guess you can you can become a judge in, in one of two ways. You can be appointed by the governor or be elected by the people. Yes. Okay. And um, you which which you were you were elected? Yes. I was appointed oh, at first, and twelve days later, my term ended, and I began running uh, a campaign. So. Oh wow. Okay, so so the telephone did ring, and uh, and it was uh, someone telling you that you had that the governor had selected you to fill a vacancy created by. Uh, yes, uh, uh, it was Judge Kessel retired. Oh, okay, all right. And who was the who was the governor who who Wilson, Pete Wilson? Okay, and had you. Is this something that you put your name in the hat for, or did it just come out of the blue? No, you go through a long vetting process where I think I put my application in six months or so before to the governor. Then you go through a, a, a vetting commission called the Jenny Commission, which is uh, composed of members of the public, but mostly lawyers and retired judges, where they uh, send out questionnaires to representative uh, group uh, 100 or 200 lawyers and community leaders and judges and solicit uh, comments and then they interview you for roughly a half a day and bring up the uh, all the negative things that have been brought up and you discuss and defend those they tell you about those uh, the night before, so you have the night to think about the negative things that have been said about you. Uh huh. And then where do you go for this interview, Sacramento? Or it's usually in one of the uh, offices of the attorneys uh, that are interviewing, or some other public setting uh, where there's a large room where you. So can this sit. committee of attorneys and and judges and members judges of the public. and attorneys and members of the public. Okay, and this is called what what kind of a committee? A Jenny Commission, which is, uh, you know, it's an abbreviation, which I couldn't recite to you okay. now of the J judicial judicial. Entity, I don't know yeah. whatever, but uh, okay, and so so 
they make their recommendations in in order of do, do they, is it just one that they recommend for the no. filling or, or they say okay good so they they say you're uh, I think the three choices are well qualified qualified or um, unqualified and there might be one more in there but. Those are the and that's sent to the, the to the sitting governor. That's sent to the governor's appointment secretary. Oh, and what, and so really, the appointment secretary pretty much decides what to recommend to the governor, or maybe they actually do it, and the governor is just a rubber stamp. What is that? How does that work? Well, I the uh, it was Senator Puchigian who at the time was not a senator; it was the governor's appointment secretary. And you know it's a huge process. Uh, there are 2,000 sitting judges in California, approximately, uh-huh. and there's approximately a five percent vacancy at all times. So you have to keep in mind. So five percent of 2,000 would be a uh, hundred vacancies, approximately, and I could be off there uh-huh. by 50 either way. So it's a sort of a full-time job to set up these. Uh, Interviews and collection of. I can imagine. And so then these recommendations come to the uh, governor's secretary and then unilaterally, uh, the candidate asks, uh, supporters to send letters to the, uh, governor's, uh, secretary of appointments and he collates or she collates all of that information and puts something on the governor's table for him or her to sh- choose from. And uh, there's no way to know whether <clears throat> the, the recommendations are followed necessarily, huh? Well, I don't think the, the governor are. rarely appoints someone who comes out unqualified by the Jenny Commission. Uh-huh. That takes but, a- but may not necessarily appoint the, the number one candidate as far as the commission is concerned. The commission doesn't determine, determine ranking only if you're well qualified, qualified. Or unqualified. I see. They sort it out that way. It's up right. to, I think the governor's secretary would make that recommendation. So how long before you, how long, how much time passed before you got rumblings that you might be uh, uh, appointed judge to replace Judge Kessel here locally and the time that it actually happened? Uh, you never really know until the governor calls you that you, the governor's secretary calls you, not the governor. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, that the governor has appointed you. So, you, you, you know, you have the feeling so really that you from might the get time it. you, you applied, you just said, hey, I, this is something be, that I'd like to do, that I'd like to let you yes. know that I'm available for. And then you just sort of forget about it. No, you don't forget. Oh, you don't about forget it. it? Oh. It's like children; you never forget about them. I see. Okay, we're talking with uh, a retired judge uh, Robert Yance here on the KSCO Saturday Special, um, and um, I think it's fascinating to, to ask questions about how where where judges come from, almost like the birds and the bees, uh, um, uh, and some of the adventures that judges have, uh, you know, whilst on the bench. And that's what 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 I hope will will um, will happen here on the Saturday special today. We got an hour and forty minutes remaining. We'll be on the air right up until noontime. It is an audience participation interview program, so if you want to call uh, and participate yourself, you're welcome to do so. The earlier you call, the quicker you'll you'll get on. A better chance you'll have to get on. Our on-air phone number is uh, 479-1080, in area code 831 um, and if you want to participate via uh, email you can shoot an email to mz at ksco.com so judge tell me uh, what year was it that you uh, that you learned that you were not going to be a, uh, an attorney anymore and you're going to become a judge uh, January 1994 okay and did you have any idea at that point how long you would be a judge? No, no. I, it was immediately in jeopardy as I was just appointed for the last 12 days of Judge Kessel's term. Then I had to run for the job. Oh, what happened to him? Did, did he? Did he retired. Oh. 
So how, how come he didn't retire? Why would he retire just 12 days before the end of his term? Why didn't he wait the whole term? Well, get it? I believe he, he retired a year earlier. And uh, uh, the uh, so this is one of those vacancies the governor is always working on to fill. Remember I said there's roughly 5% of the 2,000 vacant at all times in the state of California. So they oh. commenced the process. So other applicants had been... Oh, of course. Added. Okay. So so he had been elected, obviously, to a term. And before... You, you, you don't have to necessarily wait till the end of your term to retire. Look no. at Sarah Palin. She retired before the end of her term as governor. Okay, gotcha. Uh, all right. I don't know if I like that comparison, but uh, yeah. that's this is the <laughs> okay. So uh, he he served. Judge Kessel served five of the six years of the term and then retired. I believe he was sixty-five, but I don't know for sure. Okay. So so then what happened? Obviously, you had been in court in quite a number of times in your twenty-five year career as an attorney. Yes. Uh, so you were you, you were up to speed on, on procedures and so forth. So, you know, stepping into the shoes of a judge from the shoes of a practicing attorney, what, what, what kind of a ramp up process was it? Did you did, did you just fit right in pretty quickly? Or fortunately, I got assigned to the area that I practiced in, which was civil law. So I I really uh, I I didn't think I needed much ramping up. Right. So, so you mean someone when you're appointed a judge, you're someone else at the local level decides whether you're going to be a civil judge or a criminal judge, and, and there's, is there no such thing as both kinds of judges in one person? Okay, there's a, some parts to that question. First of all, there, we elect a presiding judge. You know, Santa Cruz has ten judges and four commissioners at my last count it could be three commissioners but so uh, the judges the elected judges and appointed judges we elect our boss and the boss is called the presiding judge okay. and that we we uh, lend a lot of trust uh, to that person and that person has the tough job for two years of telling the other judges what to, what to do which in some senses is like herding hummingbirds, but uh, in other senses it's pretty 80, 80, 90% of the time what we do is all set out in advance and we do our assignments. So yes, the, usually now it's by consensus or negotiation at the judge's annual one day meeting we usually have and we, it's, it's worked out. Well, did, did you say uh, I would prefer to be assigned uh, civil, a civil judgeship than a criminal judgeship? Did you say that, or is that just the way it worked out? I would think I said that, and also the <clears throat> presiding judge uh, at the time thought there was a backlog of civil cases and thought I would be good to go in there and help clean up the uh, backlog. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay. Now, um, one of the things that that uh, irk a lot of people that I've talked to is that judges are appointed, and I guess they're talking about you know Supreme Court justices. I guess not judges are appointed for life. Who else is appointed for life? I don't. The California system doesn't appoint judges for life. The federal judges are appointed for life. Okay. And as as I. I could have this wrong, but I believe the Court of Appeal and Supreme Court judges stand for election once once every 10 years. And I, I could have that wrong, uh, but at my last knowledge is that every judge in this state is up for election. And the, the trial judges, the, the journeymen, the ladies and men who go in there every day and wrestle with the problems are up for election every six years. Okay. Well, that's good. I, that, that's good, and 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 uh, uh, yeah, for someone to be appointed for life in, in such an important thing, well, it's sort of like, well, never mind. We, we 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 maybe we'll get into that, maybe we won't. Looks like we got a couple of callers here on the Saturday special, where our guest today is retired Santa Cruz County Judge uh, Robert Yance, and um, it, we'll, we'll get to those calls. I want to ask one question here. It seems to me that a few years back. 
the system locally in Santa Cruz County was changed from a system where we had municipal court judges and superior court judges. Now they're just judges, right? Or everybody's a superior court judge. What is it right now? And why did it change? Okay, right now we have 10 superior court judges and I believe it's just three commissioners. Commissioners are uh, subordinate judicial officers that the judges hire. All right, they're not elected. They're hired by the 10 judges via the and am, I, am I right that, pardon me, that a commissioner is, uh, one one function of a commissioner is to run traffic court? Right. Usually it's lesser judicial functions, but often the commissioners, it's a, it's a step in the ladder to superior court judge. And we, we have some excellent examples right in our own courthouse. And what about small claims? It's not just commissioners that do that, and it's not judges who do that. It's sometimes sitting practicing attorneys. Yes, pro tem. Yeah, judge pro tem is what that's called. Yes, and we're uh, always grateful for the their help. And is that like a volunteer thing, or yes, uh, I did that for many years. uh, Small claims pro tem judge and pro tem arbitrator for the courts. Because I was interested in eventually. So there's no there's no compensation it. or per diem or anything like that. Nada. Uh huh. Interesting. Uh, um. Um. Speaking of the governor, I, it makes me think of of how things have changed. I, I, it's been a long time, not dropping names now, but Jerry Brown, our current governor and former governor, um, from I think 1994 to 95 or 96 did a stint as a commercial talk radio host. Yes. And <clears throat> we carried his program here at KSCO. I think he got up to about 30 affiliates nationwide, but all, m- m- most if not all of his phone calls to his show came from our station, listeners in our station where he was very popular in this particular area. So he used to like to come down here and do his program occasionally, you know, from his national program from this studio. Um, and so I, I got to know him and, and he, I said, you know, you must be, you must have a, you know, you must be set for life financially. He says, no. I said, well, you have a pretty nice pension, don't you? He says, I have no pension. This is what he told me in 94. He says, so you mean to tell me that from the time that you were governor in, um, what, when was it? From 74 to, uh, 82 or whatever it was, you know, eight years, uh, all that time you were governor, you, there was no pensions? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you. My, how things have changed. So anyhow, um, all right, let's go to the telephones uh, um, and bring up our first caller. That would be Steve in Soquel. Hey, Steve, welcome to the Saturday Special with Judge Johnson, MZ. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yes, I would just like to ask the judge... Uh, I've been to court a few times, and when I go up before the judge, I feel like I'm before Moses or Aaron, you know. And so I was just curious how, how uh, these some decisions, are, are they really Bible-based, based on Bible principle, even though it might be unpopular? Uh, all the decisions in the statutory law are pretty much based based on laws that have been passed by the legislature and interpretations of those by the appellate judges and the uh, Supreme Court of the state. I think uh, you you make a nice uh, a point there. You, there. The Bible has thou shalt not kill, and that's certainly been enacted. Murder is a, a crime in, the, in California and all of the states. So in that sense, you're correct. There's there's some some mirroring of uh, ancient Judeo and uh, Christian and Muslim principles in in our law. Yeah, I was just kind of curious about how much of that is thrown in there because uh, when I go before the court, I used to have a drinking problem. Well, I still do, but now I don't drink, so I don't have that problem. But anyway, uh, to me, when I go before the judge, it's all about. Uh, truth and honesty you know and we swear in on the bible uh we don't swear we don't use the bible in the courtroom in california well i mean they used to maybe maybe that's old hat now in some places but uh 
Yeah, that's the way it used to be. And like I say about what uh, what's unpopular today, like a lot of people say that, well, the Bible is for, you know, uh, uh, a more ancient time. But, uh, you know, I, I feel more comfortable when I, when I know that the judges are going by Bible principle. Um, I haven't seen a lot of that in my 44 years, but I'm certain that, uh, that some... Judges go all walks of life and all beliefs, and I'm certain some judges have uh, spiritual principles in in mind when when they're thinking and worrying about what to do with a particular case. But the guidelines provided by the legislature put severe limitations on what a judge can do in sentencing an individual. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Right. Good talking to you. Thank you. Nice so, talking to you, Steve. Thank you, so Kelly, right. Steve, for calling the Saturday special where it is 32 minutes past 10 a.m. It's AM 1080 KSCO, your favorite radio station. MZ and the Saturday special with Judge Bob Yance, uh retired. And uh, here comes Chris in Rio Del Mar. Thanks for calling 479-1080. Chris, you're on Hi. with the judge. Hi, Judge. How are you doing? Good uh, morning, Chris. Very, very good. Uh, you have to uh, tell people uh, you're you're a stellar individual because you, after how many twenty some years, you found jobs for all those people in your law office before you left. I know Anita, my relation to my wife, and uh, you you did it. That was a nice. You're a very nice man. <laughs> well, Anita. Is uh, she was my guardian angel? She was my babysitter as a lawyer, yeah. and she was a timekeeper. And uh, we everyone anyway, found I'll, a place. I'll, I'll yeah, I'll keep listening, and it's great to hear your voice. Nice to hear from you, Chris. Bye bye. All right, thank you. Uh, here comes uh, Annalise, our next uh, caller here on the Saturday special. Wait a minute. Oh yeah, here we go. Annalise, you're on the air with Judge Jones. Yes, I'm curious about how a law is going to shape in the future because as far as I understand the law it's based much of it is based on certainly traditional predecessor law and also the constitutional law of course we have however the uh, emergence of Sharia law courts how does that happen in America and is that something that we need to be concerned about? Sharia law is entirely different from American constitutional law or English law. Can you answer to that? Because there is a lot of concern about Sharia law and certain communities having their Sharia law courts already. I'm I'm somewhat familiar with that, and I, I know there are, like some uh, religious groups have their 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 own councils within the uh, their specific religion and that all goes on within our uh, freedom of religion uh, clause in the constitution I, we don't have any Sharia courts as far as I know in the Bay Area or in Northern California and uh, it really it really hasn't come before me I would just think generally that um we're bound by the law. Our Constitution, first of all, is first, and then the laws passed by the legislature as interpreted by the Courts of Appeal. That's all I'm uh, pretty much 100% sure is followed in California, but I'm sure there's something going out on out there somewhere in Southern California that would make me wrong uh, 1%. Would you think that there is a concern or should be a concern about these community courts becoming stronger based on their rights of religious freedom becoming more uh, of a concern to people who who understand what Sharia law is about and how severe it is and how different it is? Wow, what a great question. I don't think we'll get there uh, if we uphold our Constitution and our own laws. I don't think that'll um, come into being. All right. Well, thank you very much, Annalise, for calling 479-1080 here in Area 831. We have another caller here, Richard in Aptos. Uh, Richard, you're on the air with Judge Johnson, MZ. Yes, Judge, it's an honor to be able to speak to you personally. I don't get to speak personally to too many judges, although I've appeared before many. 
Maybe you, for a matter of fact. Anyway, um, well, I uh, have been attempting to do a number of things, and you may have seen me driving around in a variety of what are known to be art cars in an effort to create a new political party, and more so because I'm aware that seven of ten Americans are angry or depressed to various degrees most of the time. So I try to bring joy and laughter to the community. But in doing so, I'm targeted sometimes, and sometimes, like the last one, I didn't have my lights on when my windshield wipers on, and, and, you know, ignorance is no excuse for violating the law. Anyway, I have fines all the time. I just had to pay $2,140 to the collection agent. And I'm poor and I'm old and disabled. Anyway, I have an idea because I'm what's known as a squiggle. That's an inventive, creative person that goes to the beat of a different drummer. Kind of like a lot of people in Santa Cruz, I guess. That would be the person that would suggest putting cherry flavor in Coke, thus getting a cherry Coke. Anyway, my idea, because we need more fun, joy, and laughter in the world, I would like, and I went to the window, the judge's window, and Sue told me I should go talk to Judge Salivar, so I'm, uh, Judge Stevens was replacing him on Friday, so posing a letter, but I would like your opinion. I would like to be a court jester. Wonderful. <laughs> now, wait a minute. What, what is a court jester? Well, it's, it's like it's like a joker in, on the deck of cards. Well, yeah. Aren't that aren't they more in courts of uh, the royalty, yeah. where you dance around the king and the all all? Yeah, in the past, but you know, we have a lot of those on the front steps of the courthouse, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, this is I always admire and sought to talk to the folks that are out there with signs and. You know, diversity of opinion uh, and statement of opinion is so important in our democracy. And I admire you for your individuality. And I hope we never become so homogenized and generic that we rule out the rights of individuals to express themselves. So the front steps of the courthouse are good places for court gestures in the courtroom itself. There are so many people trying to get in and out. I, I don't think it would be helpful inside the courtroom. I see. Well, I respect your opinion. You're a judge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm retired now. Oh, well, whatever. So are other people, like Judge Attic. I have another aspiration to become the president of the United States. Why not? I'm 70 and a half years old. I'm doubly qualified the 35-year. Uh, yes, that's exactly uh, right. In Chicago, exactly. I have a birth certificate. And Judge Attic, who I have the ultimate respect for, I met him on the Capitola Cliff. <laughs> he was on his bicycle riding to San Diego. I he, couldn't believe it. He's one of our great judges. I can he, barely walk. And he's retired also. I he, know it. But I he's sitting uh, on assignment after retirement. Judges have the right, if if approved by the presiding judge, to come back and help out. And well, that, he that, is. That's I'm, what he's doing. Right, I'm aware of that. But on the cliff, I asked him if he would be my attorney general. And he said he preferred to be... Uh, nominated or, you know, for the Supreme Court. So that's where that one stands. And I think he'd be great in the Supreme Court. What's your opinion? Keep me in mind if you get there, too. <laughs> well, if you let me be the court jester, I'll give it... Well, that's kind of like paying yeah. back. Uh, yeah. All right, Aptos. All right, thank you so thank much. Thank you much. we got nice a lot of other callers here. We want nice to get to all of them. Okay, we do, thank we, you so much. We, we do appreciate your phone call to the Saturday special. Uh, 831-479-1080. And we almost have full lines, but that opened up another one here. Oh, my God. Can it be? Can this be true? I haven't heard from Ben in Salinas in a long time. Hi, Ben in Salinas. Thanks for calling the Saturday special. 
Good morning, Z. Yes, this is the great band, and I am a very proud acquaintance of Judge Bob Yant. I played for his campaign in 94 when my band manager was a gentleman from Watsonville named Paul Maladden. Hello, we Ben. Hello, you, sir. Ben. I remember Paul Maladden. Yes, and it went, I remember when, when Judge Yant had his campaign down there on Water Street at those offices. It was my band, and I'm proud to say that he won the election and made us all very proud. He's, he's a very rare and a wonderful boy. I would love to see him on our Supreme Court. However, I have somewhat of a question this morning, sir. Thank you. I feel, I feel that today we're caught between the party of we won't, we won't, we won't. They won't stop the looting of the Treasury. They won't stop a lot of the deterioration of our constitutional rights. But on the other side of the fence, we have the party of we can't, we can't, we can't. We just don't have the votes. So when thinking of the general welfare and the common good of our country, how do you feel that this Congress acting in that manner was both on the negative? How does that portend as to the future, the constitutional rights and, and the, the, the equal justice under the law applications as as pertains to the general people who our vote, our Voting Rights Act, our, our Department of Agriculture subsidizing food and multi-agri industries, and yet the people are being denied food. I realize I might be out of out of field, but I feel this ties into our voting rights and our constitutional rights. And are you comfortable with the direction in which our country is headed, sir? I can't figure out what direction it's headed, really. I think we have to get back to the consensus where the middle of the rotors get together and decide what will be the general welfare of the community. And right now, we're we're so divided in partisan politics that it's all come to a standstill, and that's a shame. You know, we have, uh, we have a Leon Panetta has an institute down in Monterey. Yes. That I, he, know, I know Leon and I know Sam Farr very well. Where, where he and his, uh, wife, uh, Sylvia, yes. Sylvia have uh, promoted since his, uh, since he left the Clinton White House. Right. Bi- bipartisanship and, exactly. uh, training and, uh, mediation and compromise for the general good. Right now they're just, uh, stagnated in doing nothing. That's exactly. And God bless you, sir. Thank you, Ben. And, and I look forward to running into you in our entertainment medium so we can sit down and have a drink as good old friends. Oh, hopefully Thank it you, won't, Ben. Hopefully you. It, it won't be with your car, Ben. So, Well, we'll, we'll let's just let's, let's support men like Judge Johnson. He represents the future of America that we can all be proud of. A good man, a good man, and thank you. Thank, thank you, Ben. Okay, here comes our next uh, caller. That would be none other than Richard N. Watsonville. Hi, Richard. You're on the air. Uh, thanks for taking my call, Michael. Uh, Judge Yance, I'd like to ask you about your connections and your background with uh, with uh, Leon Panetta. You said he was your battalion commander. That goes back before being an attorney or something? Yes, uh, I went to Santa Clara University, as did Leon, and uh, he was the uh, a, a senior when I was a freshman, and he was the battalion commander of the ROTC Corps, which was mandatory for the entire student body back then for the first two years. And I got to know him then, and he we went to Santa Clara Law School, but not together. He's five years ahead in law school. And he's speaking to us uh at our uh, law school, um, my 45th and his 50th uh, on, uh, I think it's September, in the first week of September. Sorry, I don't have that date. So did you go in the Army uh, also? Or? Yes. Because he was in, uh, 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 what do you call it, intelligence or something. Were you yes. also in intelligence or were you? No, I did at the... I was in the 7th U.S. Cavalry Custer's Unit, and we were patrolling the East German Czechoslovakian borders during that thing we call the Cold War. Right, right. You can write to the uh, Air Force now and get a certificate from Donald Rumsfeld, of all people. Uh, Every veteran can do that and get a certificate of appreciation for participating in the Cold War. But when you told that little story about going to... 
Sicily and seeing the uh, courage in those other judges. Um, did you ever think you'd wind up being like one of Santa Cruz's mob judges? Or did you ever run into cases where, you know, you really had half of the courtroom was for you and half was against you? And Sometimes they're, they're all against you. <laughs> no, uh, I, we, we don't have mob here. We have gangs. And, uh, okay. okay, I can understand that, but you said as a sitting judge, you didn't have any opinions as opposed to being like right now. As a, the ethic, you know, there's a, there's a ethical guidelines that are published for judges that you have to agree to follow while you're a sitting judge. And it's, you know, it's very dangerous for a judge to be in trial in a big important case and then get on the radio and talk about it. Did you ever want to? Actually, no. I had, uh, a huge platform right in the courtroom to say what I wanted to say. All right. Thank you, Michael. All right. <clears throat> Thanks, Richard, and Watsonville. Our next Thank you, caller Richard. will be Doug in Santa Cruz. Doug, welcome to KSCO with Judge Johnson, MZ. Hello, Doug. Come to the telephone, Doug. You were echoing there. Not sure yet. I didn't. Okay. Louder, louder, louder. I haven't looked at the... Okay. I don't... Call, call back again, Doug. We'll, uh, we need, we need to, uh... We need to go to a call that caller that we can hear. That would be Billy, Billy Sunshine. Hi, Billy. Hi, MZ. Hey. So, I, as a good American, I want to, you know, sit on juries, but I have a big problem with that, sir. The idea that I am not able to see all of the evidence that the judge gets together with the lawyers and you decide to exclude certain evidence from the side of the jury makes for me an unwillingness to sit on a jury. If you want me to make an important decision, let me have all the information. Okay. Why? Well, but that's not the case, is it? Well, sometimes uh, if we allowed in everything every attorney wanted to put in, the case would go from two days to 20 days. And uh, that's one of the reasons. Also, the evidence is excluded if it's not relevant. And there are well-established evidentiary rules excluding evidence. And uh, I'm sorry you feel that way, but that, that's well, it's not a lot. a feeling, sir. It's not a feeling. In other words, for example, I remember when there was a case recently where uh, it was not allowed in. It was a marijuana case. And it was not allowed in that the city had actually asked this gentleman to grow. The Fed said, no, you can't even bring that in. When the jury found this out after finding uh, what they felt was the wrong way, they were very upset, and they had it reversed. I see this as uh, the, the, the prosecutors and the feds not all, uh, taking advantage at times. I don't think it's fair to ask me to make a decision when I don't get all the evidence to decide on. I appreciate your opinion. And thank, thank and you. So, and so do I, Billy. Okay, now let's see who's next. I'll just press the next button and see what the computer says. Ah, Russell in Santa Cruz. You're next on the KSEO Saturday special. Well, Michael and Your Honor, I know both of you guys. Hi, anyway, Russell. Uh, Which Russell are you? Oh, I'm one that has, uh, I was involved in a former um, employment like you were. Real estate. Oh. Oh, Russell, is your last initial G? No, wrong one. Oh, all right. Well, I'll figure it out. You out on Old San Jose Road, Russell? Anyway, um... Russell, are you out on Old San Jose Road? Yes, sir, I was. I sure was, and, and on High Street quite a bit. <laughs> okay. okay, I got it. You got it. Anyway, um, yeah, what I'm calling about is uh, several years ago we were involved in a... Uh, partition action and we used an attorney my father hired I wasn't real pl pleased about it but it was the one he wanted to hire and I wasn't very happy like I say about the way he conducted it somehow we ended up before you on this thing on a, a certain issue and he dropped the ball completely and I tried to stop him and you were very unhappy about me stepping in like that and I don't blame you I, I certainly understand the circumstances by which you're under and shenanigans is what I'll call it silliness uh, of uh, actions like what was involved there. 
I, I don't remember the case. Uh, no, you don't. Yeah, it, it, it's not necessary. You've seen enough of them. I don't know how you could. Anyway, uh, but what happened here was um, this was a partition action, and it should have never gone to that. It was the silliest thing in the world that it would go to that. Um, certainly the land involved in this whole thing was worth a lot more, more money than the land that those people owned over in the Central Valley. We didn't know what prompted this all to happen, but uh, we were forced, basically, against, as I say, the stupidity of it all. And um, it was all as a result, I found out later, of this guy who owned a, a marina um, in up on a lake, um, eastern California, let's put it that way. And he hired somebody that was not qualified to do what he wanted him to do in this marina because he could save money. Well, it turns out that the man was badly injured and therefore filed a lawsuit against this man. So then, of course, they came to us with this partition action on this property. But what I saw in the procedure of a partition action just stunned me, and I, I, I just wondered what your opinion is of being forced, basically, because of the actions of a person um, who is, let's put it this way, just plain cheap and hired somebody that wasn't qualified, ended up backfiring on him, backfiring on him and basically taking all of us to the cleaners is really what it was, you know. And so I, I'm just curious about your opinion on partition actions as to whether they should be run the way they are or they should be, it should be changed or, or what. What in the world is a partition action? It's where you, uh, there are multiple owners of a property and you divide the property up amongst them, uh, by force because they can't agree. Oh, okay. Thanks. And by force, I mean, there's a judgment that says, uh, he gets those 10 acres, she gets those three acres. He gets but there's no guns involved or anything. No what? Guns. There, it's a, it's a very, very expensive process sometimes because defensive castle or property, defensive family inspire people to do extraordinarily emotional and expensive things. That's why I'm now in the mediation uh, end of being a judge where we try to settle things well in advance before it just becomes a matter of... Uh, of almost punitive attorney's fees, where the attorney's fees all added together are several multiples of what can be in dispute sometimes. So okay. all I can say is when danders are up on defending castle and ownership of property, boundary lines, uh, people go to extraordinary lengths. And it's just, it's an emotion you see in divorce, it's an emotion you see of a highly, a high tension that someone would park their car a part way on my property. Yeah. Or that a, a husband would leave me or a wife would leave me. That kind of stuff makes a lot of attorney's fees happen. That's why throughout the judicial system they're encouraging mediation well in advance to see if you can sort it out. What's the, oh, so mediation is before there's a, con well, What's the difference, I'll just ask you, between a, a mediation and arbitration? All right, me, mediation and arbitration. Mediation is consensual, meaning the, the mediator can be a, an attorney, retired judge, uh, a layperson with lots of moxie in, in given areas like family law, family counselor, and the, it, you talk the sides into... Uh, agreeing to something, they sign a written agreement, it's enforceable. An arbitrator uh, is like a court trial or a trial by a judge. You receive the evidence and you decide the case. And uh, the, the, the tendency in California uh, is to go to, it's called ADR, Alternate Dispute Resolution. And there are many, many groups of uh, retired judges and lawyers who... Uh, Fast track all disputes. So I guess with arbitration, then is it correct to say that you are assigned an arbitrator? Yes. It, okay. It and with mediation, you you both have you get to agree on who's going to mediate. And and an arbitrator to a certain extent too. Oh, 
Okay. Well, sometimes an arbitrator, uh, the depends on the forum within which people are arbitrating. But usually, if the if the attorneys for the sides cannot pick an arbitrator, there's a strike list where uh, they get. You might have. You might have a panel of uh, th- three uh, judges on a strike list, and each side gets to disqualify one, uh, or something like that. Each arbitration system that's agreed to in advance, and if you read your MasterCard contract, you know we all sit home on Saturday night and try to digest that contract. That's what I do every Saturday night. And when you buy an, an automobile or when you buy a home. There often are arbitration clauses in there with the rules that you agree to in advance, yeah. and that's how you select the judge. Got it. All right, listen, uh, Russell in Santa Cruz, thank you so much for your call to the Saturday special. That opens up a line at 831-479-1080. Uh, KSCO Santa Cruz, your favorite radio station, and the Saturday special with Judge Robert Yont, uh, retired and MZ, uh, your um, um, host, and we've got Susan in Live Oak, Doug in Santa Cruz, and Sharon uh, in Santa Cruz in that order. Before I forget, um, to those of you who are listening today who are graduates of Santa Cruz High School, as am I, tomorrow at Harvey West Park, starting at 11 a.m., there is going to be an all-classes reunion barbecue. I wouldn't miss that for the world, you know. So I'm going to be there. And uh, th- this is part of the weekend festivities going on for the 50th anniversary of the class of 1963 that my sister Regina is part of and has been uh, working diligently to plan the festivities for the weekend. But part of the festivities that all Santa Cruz High School graduates, not just class of 63 members, are invited to is this... Um, all classes barbecue that again will happen tomorrow, Sunday at uh, beginning at 11 a.m. at Harvey West Park in Santa Cruz. It's twenty dollars for a fabulous uh, steak lunch uh, luncheon, whatever you want to call it, um, a picnic, <laughs> and I understand it is uh, mouthwateringly delicious. So uh, I'm going to be there, and uh, I think you should too if you're not doing anything and uh, and anything else. And if you are doing anything else, you might consider canceling it um, in favor of attending this function. All right. Um, let's see. Next. I'm just learning to use the next button here. Susan and Live Oak, you're on the air. Hi. I hope, thanks for taking my call. I hope this topic hasn't been covered. Um, do you think that this is for the judge if um hello susan hi there if you if the jury hasn't been properly instructed that that's grounds for mistrial it is sometimes yes uh you know we it's quite a process uh selecting the proper jury instructions but in the routine cases the uh the duis the burglaries the uh Drug, possession of drugs it's all pretty well set up in advance in a in a in a, a, a set of forms published by our judicial council which is run by the the uh, uh, the uh, head of the uh, supreme court the uh, presiding justice of the supreme court so it's pretty stock when you get into areas out of criminal law outside of criminal law because there's a uh, Criminal law is probably 10% of the law in California, and civil and other law is probably 90% of the law. Uh-huh. And in that 90%, there are, are not as many. Excuse me, we're going to have to hold Susan over and uh, and the others uh, because we're coming up to the top of the hour right here at KSCO Santa Cruz, Salinas, Monterey, San Jose. I'm Sam Butzinger. As the back and forth continues as to who is behind an alleged toxic gas attack this week in Syria, the U.N. disarmament chief has arrived there to push for a speedy investigation. CBS News correspondent Holly Williams. Syrian state TV broadcast images today of what the government claims are chemical agents discovered by their soldiers in tunnels used by rebel forces in Damascus. The regime says this is evidence. It's the Syrian opposition using chemical weapons, not them. 
The government's claims follow international demands that the Syrian regime allow United Nations weapons inspectors to visit the scene of Wednesday's attack. This morning, the UN's High Representative for Disarmament Affairs, Angela Kane, arrived in Damascus, upping the pressure. President Obama's weighing American options. He's met with advisors for three hours. In a sign that Egypt's political turmoil may finally be settling down, the government has announced it's shortening an evening curfew by two hours. Tomorrow, leaders of the Muslim Brotherhood are scheduled to appear in court. Attorney General Eric Holder says the spirit of the 1963 March on Washington now demands equal rights for gays, Latinos, women, and people with disabilities. Speaking before tens of thousands on the National Mall in Washington, the nation's first black attorney general praised those who faced repression and brutality to march a half century ago. He said without them, he wouldn't be attorney general and Barack Obama wouldn't be president. I'm Barry Bagnato in Washington. Speaker after speaker teed up the issue of voting rights, which has become a priority within the civil rights movement since the Supreme Court gutted a key Voting Rights Act provision. NAACP President Ben Jealous. Let us say yes, we will protect the right to vote with all our might until we win the fight finally once and for all. There was sustained applause for Attorney General Eric Holder, who has begun an aggressive fight against voter ID laws. The actual anniversary day is Wednesday. Officials in California say a wildfire burning along the northwest edge of Yosemite National Park is gaining strength, but they're slowly gaining ground. The nearly 200-square-mile blaze that threatened thousands of homes is only 5% contained. CBS News correspondent Teresa Garcia. It's terrain that hasn't burned in years, and accessing that with any reasonable amount of time, the best way to do it is by air. So they've had a continuous turnaround of helicopters and air tankers doing the water as well as the flame retardant drops. That has given them an edge helping them to build some of the fire lines. The blaze has been burning for a week. The California Attorney General has opened a criminal investigation of San Diego Mayor Bob Filner, who agreed to resign after sexual harassment allegations eroded his support less than nine months on the job. A spokesman for the Attorney General confirms that a criminal invest investigation is underway. He spoke moments after Filner told the city council he would leave office next week. This is CBS News. Do you live with stress? If you have nervousness or common everyday anxiety, we're looking for you. Because right now we're sending risk-free supplies of a fast-acting supplement to listeners of this station. You heard right. Every listener who calls right now will learn how to get a risk-free bottle of Stress Block, a naturally derived formula that promotes feelings of calmness, alertness, and focus in just moments. Supplies for this risk-free offer are limited, so don't wait. Just call 1-800-964-7476. Stress Block is a fast-acting, non-prescription formula to support relaxation without causing drowsiness. Your nervousness is guaranteed to begin fading like magic in just minutes. This special risk-free offer is for listeners of this station, but it won't last. Call us now for this exclusive Stress Block risk-free offer. Just call 1-800-964-7476. That's 1-800-964-7476. Call 1-800-964-7476. Goodbye to actress Julie Harris, who's that age 87. She was awarded five Tonys for Best Actress in her long career. Her roles range from Sally Bowles in I Am a Camera to Emily Dickinson in The Bell of Amherst. She also starred in the 1980s TV series Knott's Landing. She did movies. Well, maybe I don't know what love is exactly. I know love is good the way, way Aaron says, but more than that, it's got to be. Julie Harris was James Dean's romantic co-star in the movie East of Eden, but she said the theater was her church her whole life. Ormond and Thelma Elam of Liberty Township, Ohio, are celebrating their 75th wedding anniversary. She's 93, he's 92, and they say despite the usual problems life brings, they're happy. One of their daughters says the couple has set high standards for the family. Their secret for a good, long marriage... Never go to bed angry. Sam Litzinger, CBS News. Good evening, Central Coast. You're listening to KSEO AM 1080 Santa Cruz and KOMY 1340 Watsonville. The time is 11.05, and I'm Sam Quinn with your King of the Hill traffic and weather. Right now, out there on the roadways, there's nothing really to report to you. All major arteries in Santa Clara, Santa Cruz, and Monterey counties are moving at the limit and accident-free. So... Moving on to your Central Coast 
Weather tonight clear except patchy fog after midnight. Lows in the mid 50s. Northeast winds 5 to 10 miles per hour, then becoming light. Tomorrow expect partly cloudy in the morning, then becoming sunny. Patchy fog in the morning. Highs in the mid 70s and light winds becoming southwest 5 to 15 miles per hour in the afternoon. Your boaters forecast for the Monterey Bay tonight, west winds 5 to 15 knots, increasing to 15 to 25 knots in the evening, then becoming north 10 knots after midnight. Wind waves 3 to 6 feet early in the evening, becoming less than 2 feet later on. Northwest swell 2 to 3 feet at 7 seconds, and of course, patchy fog after midnight. Currently at 65 degrees in San Jose, 64 in Boulder Creek, 62 in Watsonville, 62 in Salinas, and 60 degrees in Monterey. Right now, outside the KSCO studios, it is 59 degrees. And now, stay tuned for the second hour of our rebroadcast of this morning's Saturday special. Thank you, Aaron. And though Kay is not with us here at the studio today, she's, she's listening and enjoying the program, hopefully. Um, we are still, um, we still have plenty of healthy start packs, both the original and 2.0. So if you want to come on down, if you were planning to, 